Welcome to the Grindstaff Publishing Podcast. I am your host, Tyler Grindstaff. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining me once again on the Grindstaff Publishing Podcast. Um, today, I wanted to talk about um, the culmination of everything. Um, essentially, it is a um, little idea I've been having in the past couple days at work or whatever, just kind of spacing off and thinking about stuff. And I guess I'm lucky, quote unquote, maybe question mark in there with the uh, way my brain works with projects and stuff, mostly writing project is that it never stops. So it's a little bit obsessive, a little bit of manic thing going on with my brain. And it's kind of like a three month situation. So for three months, I'll be obsessive about one thing, then I'll be off. And then, but there's always like projects working in the back of my head, like future novels and that kind of stuff will always kind of be there. Um, so I'm not sure why this was in my head so so powerfully, but the culmination of everything. Uh, today I put it on paper and I kind of have a working idea of what am I, I keep on thinking about. And that's essentially that everything we do in the present is a culmination of what we've done in the past. So a little bit philosophical, but I think it's interesting, um, especially when it comes to art. So, you know, if you listen to this podcast, I'm guessing you're probably more into writing or some kind of arty stuff. And um, with that, it's, I guess I'll go with writing because this is what I know um, and it's what I do. And so with writing, every, every project you go to, every idea you have comes from a culmination of what you've done in your life. And so what was, what's the big, the, the, the three biggest things I think that I, that I go to a lot um, are work experiences, um, jobs you've had, family and friends, the ones you love in your inner circle, then strangers met. Um, with strangers met, it's easy. You know, you, the, as a writer or a person that's just kind of in tune with the surroundings, anytime you go out into public, um, into any busy space or whatever, you, at least I will just pick up on like kind of eavesdrop, I guess. And my grandmother and my mother are big, um, people watchers. And so maybe I come by it honestly, but when I see it as quote unquote work or for fun stuff, it's more looking at people I don't really have any, you know, normal interaction with kind of like, so like 15 year old girls or like, you know, 40 year old, you know, women that are into like knitting, whatever. So those people aren't people that I normally be, I'm around and nor would I really want to in my social circle. And so if I'm around those people, my brain kind of perks up a little bit and it's okay, well, how do they talk to one another? How do they interact? How do do they react to certain things like, you know, shock or anger or happiness? Because you never know when a book or a project will need to have a 40 year old person that knits. Um, So that's, that's probably the biggest thing that I think is most universal. You know, strangers met, that's just a well of you know, dialogue, any kind of creative process will take from that well. Family and friends are important for numerous reasons. Number one, mental health, but two, um, it, it shows you how you can use, you know, what you learn in your own life and your own experiences and how you can, you know, put that into, uh, you know, your books or your works. Um, so if my, like, you know, the room to room thing was really important for family because, um, you know, if I was kind of estranged or I didn't really have the love, you know, that I'm fortunate to have the love I have with my family, you know, just going away and doing a big adventure like that wouldn't be as big of a deal because, you know, that wouldn't be there. But the fact that I have a really strong support group, 
I have people that love me and I'm very fortunate in that respect. Um, I could tap into that well and hopefully convey what I felt more clearly and showing that you know, going to Europe wasn't just some kind of big vacation. It was like this big thing because I, I left that comfort zone and what I had with me and then I left with the uh, with the room uh, with the chase and the kingfish novel uh, going to Alaska you know my my now wife then girlfriend Alex was like we were we were just butting off you know like that like our relationship was kind of just getting formed and was getting really you know really really strong and then I left her um, so even in college you know it was wasn't like I was wasn't around my mom or my you know my my, my family very much but I was around my, my core group of friends who, when you're in your early 20s, is the most important thing in the world to you. And so I could tap into that. Um, so strangers met, great for dialogue and just random stuff. But with family and friends, it's so cool because if you, if you have a great family nucleus, if you have a terrible one, if you, have, if you come from abuse or you come from you know complete, utter love, all those things can stack up. And, you know, and it doesn't mean that if you, you have to be a tortured person to have to be a great artist or vice versa, but whatever you come from, it makes your writing more true if you tap into that well. And finally, for me personally, um, I think work experience and the careers you have and the people you meet in those careers and the things you gain, you know, the abilities, the skills, the attributes you gain in your work experience is so it is invaluable to your art. So that sounds weird because if you you know if you're a, you know a server at a restaurant, how can that help your painting? But it helps helps immensely. Um, again, with writing, what I know, um, you know, I've done a lot of different jobs in my life. I started off um, being you know doing farming in Eastern Oregon on a on a five thousand acre wheat field, um, wheat farm, as a farmhand driving tractors and combines and doing wheat harvest and such. And learning about um, you know like the mechanics of tractors and just engines and just the value of hard work and that kind of stuff. Go to college, do that thing, which I totally count as as a as like profession, you know, as as a career choice because you don't have to do that, but you're basically you know you're you're paying your way in the career, but it is a career. Um, and then I went to Alaska, did the fishing thing, immense you know, gained immense experience, never would have had, met people that I never would have met before. And then um, got into um, with the, the towing thing. I was a tow truck driver for a couple of years. Um, that was you know great because talk about the perfect job. You have you have the mechanic side of it. You have the blue collar part of it. We also have the taxi part of things where I didn't think I'd be getting into, but the customer service aspect hopefully is a big deal. Tow truck drivers are notorious for. Um, for being having terrible customer service, but I tried really hard to break that stereotype. And so I was hoping that, you know, the average person that calls a tow truck is, is stuck. They're stranded on the side of the road or whatever. And the last thing they want to do is, is to have some asshole pop up, kind of grunt at them and then do their car stuff. So, um, I took it really seriously to be a good tow truck driver. Um, after the tow truck, um, thing for a couple of years, I did, um, uh, I worked at a big brewery, I worked in the middle of a hop farm um, at the t- tasting room. And so I did that. I was a bartender. Um, and then I did like assistant, assistant manager work. Um, so that gave me a lot of managerial stuff I had never had before, financial stuff. Then I got into sciences. So I did, you know, I, I worked for a giant corporation, a, a global corporation 
in their vegetable seed thing or lab. And then now I work in a very small 11 person total employee lab up in Portland. So each of those things is so immensely valuable to me that I think it's only fitting to go through each one. And I think it's fun to talk about it. And I never talked about it like just candidly on this platform or any, any audio platform. I talk, I kind of talk about it more briefly and more like, um, as like a, as, as like a vein of interest in, in both of the novels and it'll, it'll always pop up. Like that's why it's so important to me because it, it, it's, it's always there. So, um, when it comes to work experience, um, probably the, the most important work experience for me was out of high school working on the farm because it, I come from a very small town, um, in Helix, Oregon, which is only, only about 180, 200 people live there. It's a very small community, um, in, you know, at the center of, you know, thousands of acres of rolling wheat fields. So right there, it makes me interesting. Um, it makes anyone from that area interesting because, um, once you go anywhere that's not there, it's like, wow, how did you only graduate with 13 kids in your class? How did you, how did you function in a, in a community that only had, had like 200 people in it? So it's an, it's an immediate interest, you know, intriguing point of your life. And so I know that's important for me and that's valuable for me to have like that little bit of talking point, but also artistically, it was so important because looking back at that, I mean, I, I didn't, I wasn't writing back then, like actually on paper writing, but I think I'm always writing. Like there's always, there's a part of my brain that is always working on something, always working on something in a project, working on writing stuff, working on character development, working on novels in the future. And it all started there because when I started working on the farm, the vast majority of what you do on a farm is you sit in a big machine tractor and you just drive in straight lines. So I had hours and days of sitting on a tractor and driving in a perfectly straight line for, you know, 15 minutes to half an hour, then turning around 180, then doing it again. And so all you do for days on end is you to, you take, you know, put, there's so many implements, it's not even funny, but take an implement, the thing you pull behind the tractor and you just go. And so I loved it because I love when I'm by myself and I can just, you know, have my thoughts run, run wild and I can just think about stuff and I can think about this. I can think about that, the news and like the music, I can think about art projects or whatever it is. Um, and it was all there. And so not only was I more introverted than extroverted, I think I'm more in the middle. Um, I've always kind of teetered in the middle part of intro extrovert, but when it came to tractor driving or field work, um, or like harvest stuff where you, you know, I was mostly driving a tractor that had a thing called a bank out wagon, basically a giant, a, a giant, uh, bucket for lack of a better term, a gigantic, like it would hold, you know, hundreds of gallons of wheat. Um, and so I would basically hang out on the side of the field, wait for the combines to get full and I'd race over. They would dump all their load onto my bank out wagon. I would race over to the semi truck. The semi truck would get full off of my bank out wagon and then I'd go do it again. It was the best job because I would be like sitting in wait, kind of in a corner. Then like, okay, I need you. Then I race over, race over there, do like, you know, X amount of minutes of work. And then I just hang out for another half an hour. So I read a lot of like, really old, I was really into like Ellery Queen magazine, like an old, old, old like detective mystery magazine. 
a lot of Sherlock Holmes short stories, that kind of thing. So it's a lot of this me trying to figure out at like 18 years old who the hell I was, what, was, what, what I was doing. And then I would do, you know, that stuff and the field work stuff in the summertime. And, and then um, when it wasn't harvest time, it was a lot more like more downtime, you know, like like fixing stuff, working on tractors, fixing fence and, you know, taking care of cows and stuff like that. So it's a true farm job. And it was beautiful because not only did I work on a huge farm, 5,000 acres is big, not huge, but, you know, pretty good size. If you're in, if you're in the Willamette Valley of Western Oregon, which I am now, 5,000 acres is absolutely astronomically big. But if you're in the rolling hills of Can or rolling plains of Kansas, that's not that big. So 5,000 acres, big for Helix, great for me. Um, and so when I was there, it taught me so much about just, um, just the beauty of like thinking about yourself, thinking about how you think and thinking about things that you might want to do, which is a hallmark of a small town. Cause if you're, if you're a teenager in a small town, the last place you want to be is in that small town. You want to get the hell out of there as soon as you can. So there's a lot of time of like, what do I want to do? You know, what's college going to be like? What, what how do, how do I want to pursue college? All this stuff. And so did that for three summers, learned a lot, learned work ethic, all the, all the resume stuff that I put down still, um, at 31, but it just is a great time to be, you know, young and have time to think and no one to talk to because you're in the middle of a field. There's no cell phone reception. You're just by yourself with your own thoughts. Um, went to college, you know, did that thing. So it was like summertime work on the farm, you know, during the, for basically three or four months of the year, I was a farmer getting dirty and getting sunburnt in a field then in Eastern Oregon. Then for, you know, eight or nine months, I would be in school in, in the West side of Oregon, which is very much a more, a lot more liberal, bigger cities and stuff. And so I was doing that, doing science and getting my ass kicked by science. And then, so for three years, I did that back and forth, back and forth. The fourth year of school, of school, um, I, I, um, little, not a schism, but like, you know, basically it was time to move on from the Helix job. So then I got a job in further Eastern Oregon in a little place called Joseph, Oregon, which is next to the Willow mountains. If you have not gone to the Willow mountains, definitely go beautiful. No one's there yet. So definitely go out there while you can. And so that was cool because that was the peak of my, you know, Kerouac thing, like, you know, get out, see America, you know, do big stuff and travel, travel, travel. So I was like 20, I think I was 21. Um, and so that was, that was a really cool job because it was, um, I was living with my mom, well, you know, I was back home for summertime. So I was staying with my mom in Helix. And so I would, I'd be at her house technically. Um, and then it'd be like an hour and a half, hour and a half drive from her house to where I worked. So I lived with this, this couple, um, in Joseph that had the farm and their ranch. Um, and so it was a really cool guy named Bo and him and his wife were younger. They're probably maybe 30 and they had two kids like, like four and maybe two, uh, two little boys. And so, um, it was great because I would live with them. And so my work schedule was how to go. I think I worked 10 days straight and then I had four days off. I think that sounds right. Um, yeah, so that's basically, yeah, that's right. So 10 days on four days off It was a fantastic schedule. Cause it was a hard, hard job, but I got to work in the shadow of the Willow mountains right there. Um, it was more of an irrigation situation. So 
I was a grunt that had to like haul pipe around and it's a wet job, it's a cold job. Basically wake up at five in the morning, um, you know, walk out. It's so cold. It was so cold. And you had to move wet pipe, you know, basically pick it up, move it, pick the next piece up, move it, pick it up, move it. And you just had to move pipe like manually. Um, it was me and this other guy that was the most like, we couldn't have been opposite. Like I was this like cocky kid that was doing like, you know, pre-med in school and in, in the Valley. And like, I was like, yeah, man, I want to do big thing. I want to do big things. I don't want to be in small towns anymore. And this guy was like, I think 18, 17. And he was from a hardcore logging, logging family. Like they were like, they were entrenched in logging, which is cool. Um, you know, good for him. Um, but he was like, I don't, I don't know anything except this small town life. I don't want to know anything about this small town life. So I'm going to do this stuff. So we could not have been diff- more different. But again, you meet people that challenge your views and are different when you do different jobs. Um, no matter what the job is, you meet people that are different and just they're not the same as you. And that's good. Meeting different people is great. And so it was great because as, as I was reading like Kerouac, I was reading Kesey and I was reading like, um, like Ginsburg and the beats and just travel stuff. A lot of like John Krakauer, the Oregon, the Oregon writer that does a lot of nonfiction, like adventure stuff, like mountain climbing and things. And so I was writing, I was entrenched in that. And so to have me being like, I don't want, I would like to be anywhere but here. And he was like, all I want to be is right here where I am. So it was cool to have that juxtaposition of the two of us where we were only a couple or a few years apart in age, but we could not have been more different ideologically. And so that job was fantastic because was it hard? Was it wet? Was it cold? Was it miserable sometimes? Absolutely. There's like, it was the same summer when like the, um, uh, was it West, I think West Nile virus was huge. And so we were walking into like literal clouds of mosquitoes out there. And it's like, well, hopefully I don't get the West Nile virus. Um, and so it was, it, it was, it, there had a lot of points where it sucked, but the beautiful times were that I was living with a family that basically adopted me for 10 days on end. And I helped, you know, help take care of their kids and I ate meals with them. Um, you know, I would, if I, if I needed my own time, I would go to the, the local bar. There was a complete dive, which is fantastic. It was a dive bar, um, played pool and like, you know, just talk to people that were like, you know, vacationers, people that were locals, some loggers and some farmers is a, a vast array of people. And since I was 21, it's my first time being in a bar setting, which is great because anyone that goes into a bar setting in a town you haven't been to and, and you have an open mind and you, you want to talk to people, it cannot be the, it cannot be better. Like what a great collection of people that are all together in one spot that have no reason to talk to one another, but yet you do and you learn stuff, you meet people, you learn different things about people. Fantastic. Um, so I had a great time. It's also the time when um, like they were like literal cowboys. Like they rode horses, they shoot horses, they had ah, a couple hundred head of cattle um, and the Willow Mountains were right there. So it was absolutely the the center for what what would become the Western novel that I'm going to, that I'm beginning to write right now. And so that'll come up later and how important that, that is, you know, I'll talk about that later, later, not now, but that job was important because of the scenery, the people being away from my family and anyone I knew and was living with these people I didn't know. 
the books I was reading, it was all of it was just perfect. The, the, my age was perfect. Great, great, great. I went back to college and then I was like, well, I think I'm done farming. I don't, I, I don't want to farm anymore. I want to do something different. And so then that's when I got on the fishing boat in Alaska, which is talked about in great detail in Chasing the Kingfish. Check it out. It's on the website, gratsapublishing.com. If you're here, you know where it is. Um, won't talk about that, but talk about a complete mind, you know, mind fuck of being like, wow, like I, these people are different. I'm in a different, completely different area. I'm doing things I've never done before. I'm fishing, meeting fishermen, meeting fish, uh, deckhands. It's amazing. So, so cool. So check out that book. Came back to school. Then I was like, well, should I, you know, now I'm like on year five. Like, what should I do? Like I, I had the extra year because I, I did the, the dual major. So now, then I was going to go for a psychology degree and a biology degree together. Um, so then I was like, well, I guess I'm here for another half year or a year or whatever. And then, um, did my last year of school, um, graduated. Um, oh, sorry. Be, be, before I graduated, I'll back up before I graduated. So the, the, the job after the, uh, the Alaska job was a towing job. And I, if there is a list of like the important jobs I've had in my life, they're all really, really close. They're I've been extraordinarily lucky with the job that I've had. I've never had to work at a gas station, never had to work at like a big box store. I've always been very lucky to work at a place that I actually like going to work and I learned something valuable about my job, about myself. So the tow truck job, it goes way up there because um, it was totally random. It was on Craigslist for God's sake. And um, (laughs) it was a crappy... um, tow truck company in my, my college town. Um, and I saw it on Craigslist and I was like, well, I can do that. I've driven big machinery. So I, uh, I decided I could do that. Um, so I went and, uh, <clears throat> applied and, uh, and they're like, this guy doesn't, can't do this job. And I was like, well, I've done, you know, farming. I just got back from Alaska fishing. That's pretty cool. Like, and that Alaskan job and fishing job got me so many weird opportunities in my life. It's just bizarre. And I'm like, wow, who know I'd get those opportunities from those, those jobs. But, um, so I did, tow, I did towing as a tow truck driver or tow truck technician, I guess. And like I said earlier, it was, I, I would have never thought that that job would have been so important to me because it really was exactly half of blue collar, the farming stuff I loved. You know, we're, you know, messing with big trucks, you know, you get to pull, you know, pulling cars up that are upside down out like a hundred yards in the field. And your job is to bring it back and put it on a truck. So cool. It was so much fun. Um, obviously there's a lot of like, you know, DUIs and like wrecks, but I only, I only had to deal with like maybe one fatality, which is great because that's, that's pretty unusual because normally tow truck drivers do a lot of fatality stuff. Um, so luckily I had a really good run in my, my time. Um, but the exact other half of the job was customer service. You're a taxi, like you pick up somebody and they get in the truck with you and you drive them. I had a guy drive, I drove him, oh man, three and a half hours, four hours away. So you have to be good at talking or you just don't talk at all. And that just sucks. And that's awkward. But in that particular guy, here's a little side story, but that particular guy was awesome because his name was Trask which will be a name that comes up later in a novel. Um, that's for sure. Um, but Trask was this really cool guy, maybe late thirties. 
Um, and he had a couple kids. I think they were with him or maybe not. I think he's by himself. And um, it was late at night. It was like probably eight or eight o'clock or nine o'clock at night. And he needed his car towed from Monmouth, which is where I went to school in Oregon, Monmouth. And he had he wanted to go to Astoria. Now, Monmouth is in the valley. So about if you go middle of the, the state, a little bit west, that's where Monmouth is. Astoria, if you go to the coast of Oregon and go to the very, very tip top, as high as you can go in Oregon, that's Astoria. So it's a long drive. And so him and I drove three and a half, four hours, and we had the best time. Like it was like we were old friends, and he told stories, I told stories. It was amazing. And he talked about UFOs and like um, talked about, you know, seeing a cow that had been mutilated by aliens, he thought. He told me about how he went to um, Burning Man and all kinds. This guy was so cool. And he was a dad. He was like, it wasn't like I was like, you know, young 20 something. He was a dad with a full time job and he had kids. Like, he was awesome. Um, looking back, it was fantastic. Um, so, like, that was this one instance of numerous that were like, I took advantage of it. You know, I was like, well, I could just sit here and quiet or I can talk to these people that I never would have met in my life before. Talk to professors talk to like super young people, old people, people of all walks of life with doctors and all kinds of people that I never would have talked to before. And, you know, having an open mind and being like, man, like these people actually have something to say. And that job, which I imagine was the same job as like a taxi driver or now a Uber or Lyft driver, is that you get to people watch only you get to interact with those people. Like you're both stuck in a, in a box, a cab of a truck, and there's options, opportunities to talk. And, you know, and people, people that are willing to talk are great because it's just, it's fun to talk to people, you know, that they're just so different and everyone has, have, everyone has stories, no matter how mundane you think your life story is, it's incredible. And it's so much fun to just sit there and be like, well, you have something to say. And so I got a lot of, a lot of writing, writing material out of that. Just the dialogue of, you know, and, and the best part probably for me is because, because of my, um, my liking of people watching it's a little fun thing in my own head and I don't take it like it's not prejudice, but it is funny to judge people initially and be like, okay, well, this person's gonna be like this and maybe they have this and they're like this and they're like this. And then when you talk to them, for me, 80%, maybe higher is totally wrong. It's totally, totally opposite. And that's fantastic because it means that when I first see a person, my writer brain takes off as, oh man, maybe they have, you know, this happened to them or maybe they did this. And then to know that it's a totally opposite story is like, that's, that's amazing because I thought this one thing about this person and it could not have been different, more different. And so it was a fun game that I had um, in my own head. I never said it out loud, but like I get a play, get to a place. I would know that they would need to go with me in the truck and be like, okay, well this person, maybe this, 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 or maybe I was like, oh, this person I'm not going to like at all. I mean, this person I might like a lot. And so often they got in the truck and they were just like totally different. The people are like, oh, this person's a talker, very quiet. Person I thought, oh, this kind of person, this person's a little stuck up. No, not at all. They were really great. And so it was, it was fantastic for me and my personality to be like, I could, I could kind of turn on my charm a little bit, turn on the charisma and be like, wow, like, you know, yeah, I'm really sorry about your car. You know, where are you going? Oh, you're going here. Why are you going there? And it was just fantastic to have like that opportunity to talk to people. And just gain, a, you know, an immense amount of knowledge, dialogue, and it was just fun. Um, so I I never would have thought in my life that a tow truck driver would have been one of the better jobs in my life, but fantastic. It was so much fun. 
if you're a writer out there and you need a job and it's not a great job, you know, you get to, you're woken up all hours of the night and people aren't always the best and you get to see some pretty horrific, you know, wrecks and stuff. But if you need material, there you go. Or if you're a stand-up comedian, nothing bad, nothing better than that because you hear some fucked up stories, you hear some really funny stories, you hear some really sad stories, and you just hear people talk about being a person in the world. And it's, you know, that's what, you know, I like to write about. I like to write about people that are, you know, just the average person or people doing extraordinary things. And um, it's it's great. After that job <clears throat> is when I graduated college. And then I started working at um, a large brewery near the town of Monmouth um, in the middle of a thousand acres of hops. So quick Google search will tell you where that is. Um, that job was so cool because for one, as my commute to work was throughout, um, you know, all kinds of farmland, which I loved, made me feel at home. Um, and then I got to turn off an under a road that was historical and it was called Hopville. Um, and then you go down and the road is lined, literally lined with hops, hops as far as you can see. If you've never seen hops before, do yourself a favor, find a hop farm. There's probably one near you. Um, and Basically, they are bright. Well, when they're when they're at their peak and they're ready to, you know, get harvested, they are bright green, um, viney guys that are about eighteen feet tall, and their hops, the hops um, that go into beer that, that are the, the, the aromatics of beer and the flavor of things like an IPA or whatever. Um, they are these beautiful, like almost fluorescent green um, little cones, and they're fantastic. They smell amazing. If you like beer. You're going to love hops because that's what's in your beer. Um, side note, contrary to popular belief, I've heard this question so many times. The amount of hops does not do anything with the alcohol content of your beer. This has been craft beer hour with Tyler. Um, but people ask, used to ask me all the time, oh man, like give me the IP because it has the most hops, means the most, most, most alcohol. Not true at all. The hops are there for aromatics, um, for taste, for bitterness, that's what the hops are there for. Nothing to do with alcohol content, only taste. You're welcome. Um, so that is something that got asked all the time. Um, with that job was so cool because not only did I work, work um, amidst all those hops, smelled amazing. It's a farm, it's a functioning farm. They processed all the hops there at that location. So there is a hop processing place there, which... I don't, that's different. That's a different episode. Um, but also I got to work in a tasting room. So it wasn't a bartender where I was like making cocktails and like doing the whole Tom Cruise, like woo thing. But it, instead it was me working behind a bar of a pretty slow, um, slow paced, um, you know, kind of tasting room thing. Very, very small. There's only like eight beers on tap. And so it was a more, more of like an educational place. So People that didn't, the average person didn't, didn't go there to be like, oh, give me the, the local, you know, give me the beer, man. I'm, I'm a local, like, you know, here, Fred, here's your beer. It was more like a lot of, a lot of tourists came there, a lot of people that were locals and that kind of thing. So it's a lot of talking, which I like to talk a lot. I could, I just talked for half an hour about my work history, which is like, hopefully you found this interesting. Hopefully you're still around at this point. Cause if not, then I'm talking to nobody and that's not good. Um, but I, I like to talk. And uh, people, I guess, at that place like to hear what I had to say. 
And so I learned all I know currently, which is quite a lot of useless, not useless, but a lot of information about beer, craft beer. And so my job was basically to inform the public about that brewery's beer and how amazing it was and how the farming outside, um, those ingredients got put in the beer and then how all that interacted. I would do tours and I tour people through the hot processing stuff, which is really cool. Um, and more importantly, and definitely for the Room to Rome novel, was that so many tourists from outside of the United States came there. And so they're traveling, they're excited, and they want to talk about where they're from and where they've been. And so very much how I found, um, how I found the hostels in Europe to be, it's a very similar vibe in certain times um, at that place. And so I worked there for two years, two years, I think. Um, started off as a bartender and then I, I graduated up to assistant manager. And that was cool because it gave me a you know, managerial experience and whatever, but it was more important because like for those two years, I made so many friends, like everyone was so cool. I worked with, we didn't, we didn't have a bad person there. It was so cool. And I got to do everything I got to do behind the counter, like talking about beer, got to do the management stuff, got to be in the kitchen doing that stuff, which is super fun. The, the cooks are great. Um, and do all, all and doing tours and learning about the history of the place. There's a hundred plus year old um, farmhouse there. I stayed in that a lot. Um, it's just fantastic. But more importantly, my coworker was a Turkish guy. Um, and so this Turkish guy um, used to run a hostel in Turkey in, in Istanbul. And so he would talk incessantly about um, how fun that was, people he met there. And it was just fantastic because it, it it really sparked that like, man, what do I want to do? You know, that's fun, this adventure thing. And then all of that came, turned into room to Rome and room to Rome, me going to Europe, everything that started off this whole grass publishing adventure came from working there. So vastly important to me personally, but also talk about a, the, there's no better place than a tourist centric place to meet people from the world. And so even though I've been in college and, you know, college is college. So you meet different people from all over the world. Being from a small town and a very small community, you don't, I never had that experience. And no one in my family um, had been outside of America. You know, people have gone to Hawaii and Canada, but you know, Hawaii is part of America. Canada is right next door. So that doesn't really, it doesn't count, you know, like no one, I, no one I knew had gone outside of, outside of America you know, my family for sure. Some friends had done that, but nothing crazy, you know, nothing like no backpacking, that kind of experience. But at that brewery, you know, the guy I worked with every single day had, 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 had worked there, had worked at a hostel, was from a different country and talked about it and how he missed it and the hostel life all the time. So without that job, there would have been no room to roam. Um, then I went into, into lab work, um, went into sciences, which is what my degree is in. So I'm trained for, um, so I started working as a, basically a temp, um, lab tech at this gigantic place. Um, I guess I can say it's bear, bear vegetable seed, um, which is, which is centered in, um, Holland. Um, but it's huge thousand of employees. Um, and so everyone's like, Oh, bear aspirin. Cool. But like they have, a, they have numerous divisions. And so I work for the vegetable seed one, which basically, um, we were like the, the, kind of the, the viral testing lab, um, like a different place in Idaho 
would come up with the, this coating on, on vegetable seeds. And then, you know, for various reasons, drought, you know, viruses, whatever, and basically make this coating to, uh, to fight against whatever, you know, ailment we're trying to get to. And so I worked in, the, in this virus lab and so I worked with plant viruses and it was very cool because it's like this pretty big deal. Um, for me, for sure. I was like, oh, wow, like, I've done this blue collar stuff, had these fun jobs, and now I'm doing this real, my real career stuff, even though I was kind of a grunt. It was great because it was like, in a, in a similar way as the tractor driving, um, there's a lot of time by myself where I was kind of doing these monotonous tasks. You know, I was doing like, uh, you know, putting putting these tiny carrot seeds on this wet mat, and then they were going to grow into whatever. Or I was doing like, um, you know, counting these sprouts that had this gummy stem blight, this, you know, blight bacteria, fungus that would, that would, uh, you know, attack the care or the, um, the stems. But amidst that time of just being like, well, this is boring. I don't want, I don't, I don't want to do this job forever. It was like any job, you know, if you wash dishes or you pump gas, whatever, you hopefully don't want to do that job forever. I mean, nothing is people to do that job, but you know, for most people, that's not, not the, that's not where you want to end up. And so it's really good when people that are young have really crappy jobs, because when you're thinking about how much this job sucks or how much I want to leave this job, you're hopefully thinking about what you'd rather be doing. You know, obviously, you know, not being at work, being with your friends, your significant other or whatever, obviously, but hopefully you're thinking, man, I, 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 I should really should pursue, you know, this career or go to school for this or do this or whatever. And so that was totally what that job was. It was a, it was a year of me being like, you know, questioning, do I want to do I want to be in biology? And then that was half. The other half was like, man, maybe I can start doing this writing thing. And like, and it was great because then I, I, I was working with a lot of people that were scientists. Um, and I've always been attracted to science. I've loved scientists all my life. Um, you know, I, I love 1950s science fiction movies that are all about like, it's not all about being strong. It's about being smart. And if the smarter people are the ones that are probably going to win. Um, so my favorite movie of all time is a 1951 movie, uh, the thing from another world. And in the thing from another world, um, it is basically that there, there are, um, <clears throat> there's this, this plant-based alien that comes to, I think Alaska, some frozen place up North. I'm pretty sure it's Alaska and, um, the Arctic and, there are two teams. There are the Arctic scientists that have been working on, you know, plant stuff, looking at um, the skies and things. And the other, pe- other people are these, um, these Air Force people, these soldiers. So you have the scientists and the soldiers, and ultimately the scientists are the ones that make the better decision. And then you can, you can go for there. It's free on YouTube. Watch it. It's fantastic. Um, but I've always liked those movies because it's shown that it's not always the strongest that are the best. And so the, the scientist has something to say, and there, there might be better ways of doing things than what you think. And so when I worked around people at Bear, and I was around PhD people that weren't in college, they were just like, okay, well, I'm going to do this t- teaching thing and then do the research on the side. There are people that are PhDs and we're doing research every single day. And so we all had a communal um, or a common lunchroom. And at that lunchroom, it was fantastic because it was lab techs, it was maintenance people, it was PhDs, all sitting in the same space. And yeah, there was clicks kind of form where it's okay, well, the PhDs kind of set together and everything. But me being me, 
I was like, man, I want to talk to these people that have PhDs. And like, what do you do? Like, what do you, why do you do, why did you choose to do that? Because if you know anything about science, you know that all a PhD is, is someone that has chosen to devote their entire lives to a very small and narrow field. Um, it's not bad, but it is from my brain of being this like jack of all trades kind of guy. It sounds terrifying. And so like there's a guy that devoted his entire life. I think he'd been there for 37 years, 37 years devoted to carrots. That's not bad. Like that guy's great. He had a fantastic personality, had a wife, kids, family. He's an awesome guy. But like in my mind, nothing sounds more scary and just boring than devoting your entire life, your entire working life to carrots. But that guy was fantastic. He was fan. He was great. He was the first guy to talk to me in the entire place. Love that. I love that guy. Um, but it was so cool to be be in there and hear all the chatter. And the big news in that year, I can't remember what year that was, but in that year um, was when um, North Korea was basically threatening to blow us up. Um, so it was so cool because like that was like for a couple of months, that was like what was talked about. Oh, and the eclipse, the solar eclipse happened there too, or then. And so um, it was so cool to, to hear, to sit in that room of scientists and hear what they had to say. And that's how I think about, well, in my other jobs, what would that be? What would they be saying? What were they saying? you know, only, you know, 20 miles away at the tow truck place. What were they saying in Alaska on the, on the docks? Like everyone, everyone that I had met, I could, I could guess at least now educatedly guess what they would say. So if I was on a boat in Alaska, what would that person say? If I had, if, if I was working in a lab, what would my, what would the PhD, you know, lab project manager talk about? How would they see that differently? And so it was all that stuff that I started realizing, man, like this is, this is super cool. Like I have all this weird, you know, knowledge gained from this vast, diverse career. That's like, I've never met anyone that has that diverse stuff. I mean, people work in different areas. People have really cool play, things they do. People have long careers, you know, I basically dabbled in all this stuff. Like I dabbled in fishing. I was only there for four months. I dabbled in, you know, farming. Like I was only a farmhand. Like People have a lot cooler, um, you know, different ways of looking at things than I do. But at least for me, I, you know, people, people that I work with currently at my current job doing, you know, microbiology, people there have never had a different job. Like my, my true boss, I guess, we're so small, there's not really much to designation, but my, my true boss has only worked like six months anywhere else. Like she went to school, went to college. She got her microbiology degree. She worked for like six months in this like clean room kind of atmosphere. She hated it. Then she got hired this, this job. And it's been, you know, 15, 20 years. So like she's only had one job. You know, she has, you know, she's fantastic. She's happy. She has a family, everything. She's great. But like in my mind and my personality, like that's, that's as scary as devoting my entire life to carrots, you know, but my current life or my current job, it's great because I have Monday and Tuesdays off. I work Wednesday through Friday with people. Um, I have colleagues. And then Saturday, I'm typically alone. I do all the work for the entire lab on Saturday. It's fantastic. I'm all alone with my thoughts. On Sunday, there's only one other guy that works there, and he's like a guy that makes meeting and all that stuff. And we'll watch sports, talk about sports, that kind of deal. But for the most part, three days, I work a normal job that I, you know, with people. 
And in her two days, I'm basically totally left to my own devices. And yeah, I have lots to do. I'm busy. It's a, it's a pretty hectic deal, but it's awesome because I get to think, I just get to think all day. I put on music. I have different ways. I like, like today, I was today is Saturday. I was all alone today, put basketball on cause it's the playoffs. Um, put basketball on, put country music on, went into like the Western stuff. Like I would stop, you know, do some little notes. I go do my work, come back. Oh, stop. I, I did all the notes for this, this episode, go back. And it was fantastic. So, you know, every job has those opportunities, you know, unless you're like in a factory where you literally cannot take your hands away, you can always take notes. But even if you're on, if you're, if you're, even if you're on a factory line, you can still daydream as long as it's not dangerous, but you can always just like think about stuff and you always think about people you, you meet there. And the person that works at a factory on the line is vastly different than the PhD working in a lab who is vastly different than the person driving a tractor. And it's awesome. It's so cool because you get to work, you get to work your ideas out, you get to work your kinks out. And even though you're never like, and I always feel like I'm always, always working. You know, I'm always thinking about this whole grass and publishing thing. We, I, we just got merch in, like there are shirts now available. That's awesome. But like today, like I thought about this, this uh, episode of this podcast, like, man, what a cool experience um, to have all these things kind of just floating in my head. And it's like, I can just pick out things I want to do, you know, things, I, things I'm thinking about. And then lastly, I've been on for way too long. It's been 45 minutes already. I'm sorry. But this, this last bit I put on in the notes is the experiences you have in your life also are really important too, because everyone has a vast array of experiences they, they have in their life. Um, but, you know, there are just certain ones that are really important for art. And I think I'm going to save it for next time because it goes, it's gone way too long. So tease, my first tease of this whole uh, podcast endeavor. So I'm going to tease you guys. So next time I'll talk about experiences. So a culmination of everything, part two. Maybe I'll call it a culmination of experiences next time. Eh, how about that. So like always, thank you so much. If you've made it to the 46-minute mark, you're amazing. Thank you so much. Um, as soon as all of... I, I ordered a, a pretty big selection of um, of my uh, GP uh, merchandise. So I got some shirts in, got some a baseball tee for Alex. I got a kind of camping mug. I'm getting a sweatshirt in pretty soon, hopefully. So, um, once I get all this stuff in and kind of see if I like it and kind of make sure it's worth the price and everything, I'll, I'll kind of not blow it up. I don't have any many followers, but I'll put it on my social media stuff. So you'll, you know, if you do, if you do follow this podcast, this endeavor, I'm, you know, trying to do, you'll see it. Um, some merch coming out soon. So how about that? So, Thank you so much for being a part of this. If you made it this far, thank you so much. Um, just just having a care in this, knowing that I exist, that Grass Up Publishing is out there, that I am going to write more books and I've written two books and there's many more to come. That means the world to me. So thank you so much for being a part of this. So thank you. And I'll talk to you next time.